This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. 56% of job seekers say their biggest challenge is finding a job that matches their qualifications, according to an Express Employment Professionals Harris Poll survey. The job search can be a lonely process, but Express Employment Professionals can be your one connection to finding a job that fits. Each year, hundreds of thousands of people find work through their local Express office. Find the location near you at ExpressPros.com. With no fees for job seekers, visit ExpressPros.com. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb, you know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Redestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products, wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few? Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the, I believe, sunny city of San Antonio. Thunderstorms last night, but the sun has peered through. It's 80 degrees outside, and we're at the site of the Final Four. And, man, do we got some great coaches that will be joining us. Three-time national championship head coach Jim Calhoun, the Hall of Famer, uh, will join us in about an hour and a half. Chris Beard, head coach at Texas Tech. They game, came up just one game short. Bruce Weber, also one game short with Kansas State, but he has played in a national championship game or coached in a national championship game going back to his days at, at Illinois. Victor Oladipo, uh, who's had a breakthrough year with the Indiana Pacers, is going to join us upcoming in, uh, in 15 minutes. So, man, we got a lot to get to. Um, 
Might have a chance to catch up with Mike Boyton, the head coach of Oklahoma State. Jerry Palm from CBS Sports is going to join us. Man, do we have an awesome show. But uh, before we turn our attention, maybe th- this is a little bit of paying attention to basketball and football. There's a story in football which I think actually relates or should relate to most basketball players. My, uh, my brother is an assistant coach at Oregon State. He used to be an assistant coach at Cal. Before that, he was at San Diego State. And he has, he ha- what he says to players that have declared for the draft or they're getting ready for an NBA workout is make them pay to see what you don't do. Make them pay to see what you don't do. And by that, he means, hey, look, if you're not a good shooter, don't show them you're not a good shooter. Show them that everything else you do, defense, basketball IQ, toughness, passing, spacing, screening, all of that stuff is NBA caliber. Finish at the rim, get to the free throw line, make your shots. You can't shoot threes. Like, don't go and try and prove, hey, that their scatter report says you can't shoot. Make them draft you in order to prove or make them bring you in on a workout. They want to see if you can shoot. Make them invest in you in order to find out whether or not you can do what they don't think you can do. You understand? When I was a player, uh, it's something I, I learned, and now anytime I've been around teams or I've coached teams that I try and relate to people is this. The difference between college players and pro players is NBA players do what they do and don't do anything else. And I understand there's this idea in our minds. And look, I can tell you that in my professional world, I always kind of push the boundaries of when people, I think, typecast me. Because I played college basketball, because I played professional basketball, because my dad was a coach, my brother is a coach, and I've been around it my whole life, and the Final Four is like a reunion to me. Because of all these things, there's sometimes a listener can say, well, you're a basketball guy, what do you know about football? Well, I mean, yeah, I played football growing up, and I know several executives in the NFL. I know a handful of players in the NFL. But more than anything, I've also watched and evaluated as a broadcaster for 15 years nationally. And while that might not mean it, like, look, I'm not going to sit there and tell you compared to a pro football, former pro football player or coach I know as much, but I'm able to form an educated opinion as much as anybody who's just a broadcaster, right? Like being in a locker room, Phil Sims would tell me, like, oh, sports is sports. You understand the dynamics of a locker room. You understand the dynamics. And there's a lot of things similar in basketball, zone defense, football, zone versus man-to-man and mesh routes and, terms of handoffs and basketball there's a lot of things that are similar if not exactly the same so i think what's fascinating about a decision lamar jackson made today is that it it parallels the mistaken decision that so many basketball players will make leading up to the nba draft or leading up or or playing in events in front of college basketball coaches where they're doing the opposite of what pros do. Pros do what they do well and don't do what they don't do well. Really, really smart players make you pay to see what, make them pay to see what you don't do. Um, there's, there, there's two parts to this story with the former Louisville quarterback, Lamar Jackson. 
Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. His mom is operating as an agent. He did not want to run the 40 at the Combine, and he did not run the 40 at Louisville's Pro Day today. And it's a mistake. And to anybody else, and, and there'll, there'll be people on Twitter, and there'll be people in re- write columns, there'll be people on TV, they're like, hey, everybody knows he's fast. What's the win in showing them you're fast? So instead, he's going to just simply throw. Because Lamar Jackson believes, believes that the narrative against him is he's not an accurate enough thrower, and with a, with a planned-out pro day, he can prove them wrong. It's a terrible decision on a multitude of levels. Now, look, the narrative on Lamar Jackson, if you really want to be honest, is, boy, he was, he was weak at the whiteboard. He was weak in the Wonderlick, scoring only a 13. And he's, it's not just that he's inaccurate. He's inaccurate in routes that should be elementary for any quarterback who's played under Bobby Petrino. They're very short and intermediate routes that don't expose a lack of arm strength. And he doesn't have a lack of arm strength. So when you're fighting the battle of, hey, maybe he's not cognitively where some of those other guys are yet, and maybe he's not accurate yet, if it's me, and obviously there's some things in the NFL draft prospect process that you can't, you know what you can't do? is you can't not throw. You can't. And you can't not take the Wonderlick test. But you do have a a decision to run the 40. And to not run it to me is it's a sign that he doesn't have an agent. And it's a sign that he doesn't understand just the whole mantra. All these different things I've told you is play to your strengths. And what are his strengths? He's a freak athlete. He's a freak. He can throw the ball 80 yards in the air. And he can run somewhere around a 4-3-40. And if I'm advising Lamar Jackson, I would sit him down and say, what are, the, what are the five best things you do on a football field? Well, I throw a deep ball, great, great. I run, great, great. I throw a deep out, great, great. I throw a slant, great, great. That's the five things we're going to do. But to, to take away the thing he does best, which is absolute positive freak athleticism, to me signals, one, he doesn't have an agent, and two, he doesn't know what he doesn't know, which is the sign of a lack of, of wherewithal for the NFL draft process. If you're arguably the most athletic quarterback we've ever seen potentially going in the first round, why wouldn't you? What's the, what's the bad part of putting that on display? Because if I go there and I'm a GM, or I go there and I'm a president, or you have a team owner with you, and you watch the tape, you're like, yeah, you can throw it all right. Wonderlick wasn't very good. How's he run? Well, he runs great in, in, in pads. What's he run the 40 in? If he put up a 4-2-8 or a 4-3-2 or a 4-3-4, what you're going to end up doing, you're a general manager, you're a president, you're, you're going to convince yourself, you know what, we can fix those other things. I can make him into a better thrower. Through time and through... You know, building relationships and understanding an offense. I can ha- he'll have better football IQ. You redshirt him for a year in Cleveland. You redshirt him for a year with the Jets. You can get better football. We already have quarterbacks. And when he's around a Josh McCown, when he's around a Tyrod Taylor, 
He can learn those things. What you can't learn is, dude, that guy's the fastest quarterback I've ever seen. And to not run a 40 when that's the best thing you do? There's, there's nothing more frustrating when you go to see a band in the summer than when they have that one song and they wait until they're encore to play it, right? They wait until they're encore to play that one song. The only thing worse is if they don't play that song. Like, imagine any of your one-hit wonders, or imagine any of your favorite groups, and they don't play their most fa- Imagine if Barry Manilow didn't play Mandy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go to see Barry Manilow play. And that's what happened. That's what happened earlier today. I, I wouldn't draft him not because of the 13 on the Wonderlick or the lack of accuracy. I don't love him. And if you want to say it's because he's black, that's fine. I just have enough, I have enough, you know, reasons to point to as a football player that I don't love him. But the idea that you would withhold the best thing you do, that you are blessed with and you have developed and you have honed and is a strength, and just not do it almost out of spite, it just to me, you don't know who you are. And while the San Antonio Spurs tell everybody, hey, get over yourself. Doug Gottlieb tells people, you got to know who you are. Play to your strengths. And this strikes me as a, as a young athlete who doesn't know who he is, who doesn't have any leadership in his life, and he's not playing to his strengths. And instead, he's trying to show you that your analysis of the weaker part of his games, he knows more than you do about something that most of these scouts have been doing this their entire lives. And they don't have a racist bone in their body. They're just trying to find the next great quarterback that keeps them gainfully employed or that gets them to be promoted to be the, a general manager. Like the idea that you think a general manager is racist because all it, or, a, or a scout is racist. All a scout wants to do is I want to find, I want to be the guy who discovers the next Russell Wilson. Because if I do, then I get to be a GM. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He's a leading candidate for most improved player and all defensive team honors. He was traded in the offseason from the Oklahoma City Thunder where he played for one year after being drafted by the Orlando Magic and playing for them. Uh, and most people thought the Pacers win around 30 games. They won 44 already this year. He's Victor Oladipo. He joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Vic, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Um, all right, I want your your honest reaction when you found out you were traded in the offseason to Indy. Um, I was shocked. I was definitely shocked. I was on a plane. I didn't find out until I landed on social media. Oh, man. The guy, one of my, my mentors who I was flying with, had, uh, had told me you just got traded to the Indiana Pacers for Paul George, and I thought he was joking at first. Then I turned on my phone, and then my text started flooding, and I knew it wasn't a joke. When when the trade went down, um, I can remember there's a, a litany of people, big-name people who covered the NBA and the media that said the Oklahoma City Thunder won this trade. Did, 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 you, hear that, did you hear that narrative as well? Um, it was kind of hard not to go to it. Yeah, I definitely heard uh, people's opinions about the trade and what they thought about it. So couldn't really control it. Um, so I didn't but, really but, but, let but, it affect me. 
Vic, why was that? I mean, like, listen, do you think it was it because your your averages hadn't gone down? It just hadn't gone up from going from Orlando to Oklahoma City. And you know, like, look, you play with Russell Westbrook, who won the MVP. Why do, why do you think it was that here you're a young starting player under club control with a contract? And yet there was there was a sense of negativity, even though like it was two starters for one. I, I, why do you think that that was people's reaction initially? I'm not sure, um, but, I mean, it is what it is. I, like I said, I couldn't really control their opinions and their reactions and what they felt about the trade and maybe on the outside looking in and um, and looking, you know, at the paper and and stuff like that, you might think it was. But, again, I had no control over it. So, uh, you know, did my best on making sure it didn't affect me in any way and just continue to keep getting better. What was it? What 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 did you? I mean, obviously, look. I know you're a uh, like Russell Westbrook. You're an incredible worker in the off season. Was there anything you did differently from that point forward that 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 forever changed your career? Because you have had an absolute breakout year this year. Was there anything you did differently? Um, I did a lot of things differently. You know, I kind of set up camp in Miami and worked out there with um, David Alexander at BBC all summer. Worked on my body. Worked on my mind. And uh, worked on my game as well, and spent most uh, towards the end of the summer in LA, um, and played pickup and just worked on my body and my mind the whole summer. Invested in myself and my body, and it turned out great for me. When did you know? Hey, you know what? This might work. This this team was was there a was there a moment in the preseason? Was there a moment early on in the year? Was there a moment to which you went home and you're like, yo? We're we're pretty good. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a few moments. Um, but I know I remember. I could remember during the preseason. You know, just I remember shooting shots and in preseason and missing. And everybody on the bench is like, "Yo, just keep shooting, keep shooting." Like I was never used to that. <laughs> that was something new for me. So I knew it was going to be different right then and there. Like they believed in me. You know, just as much as I believe in myself. So um, right then and there, when you have something like that behind you and you're out there on the floor and you have that trust with the with the guys on your team and the coaching staff, then it makes it that much easier to play. Yeah, it's it's it, it's fascinating to me because you are so young, it's so early in your career, and you know last year's team was built so differently. I I know how it how it is. Everyone looks at stats the same, and so much of it is about kind of opportunity what, what's this coaching staff done that's allowed you more than just giving you the ball more and giving you more opportunities what have they done schematically that's allowed you to kind of play your game not just for, not just allowing you to miss shots and play through it I think they've teaching me you know what I mean both defensively and offensively teaching me on, on how to be a leader um, they're teaching me how to you know kind of implement my game within the game um, and how to be smart, make decisions, and they basically told me, you know, I have a lot of responsibility, and I got to be, you know, be ready every night, and uh, you know, with that, you know, my game kind of came out with that responsibility. So, yeah, they've done a great job of putting us all in position to be successful, not just myself, and it's been great. Yeah, except when you go to Golden State and they try and you know bloody your nose, they try and knock your teeth out, right? I and mean, that's that's, I guess that's a sign of respect when dudes aren't letting you go to the lane anymore. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's been a, a extremely different after the All Star break as far as like the way guys have game plan for me and it was a part of the respect level, obviously. And 
is what I asked for. So it's another you know, learning curve, something that I got to get used to and learn and just continue to keep getting better at it. So no matter what they hit me with, I'll be ready for it. Victor Oladipo, a star for the Indiana Pacers, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, the thing that I think is hardest for fans to quantify is what you do at the defensive end, right? Like this is a different way of talking about it in the league as opposed to fans of the league. It's when Kawhi's healthy or what KD has done this year in in really digging in at the defensive end. It's something you've you've always tried to do, but this year it's it's got to be even harder to get the respect for what you're still doing defensively, even though the you know everyone looks at how many points you had, how many rebounds you had, how many assists you had. People don't can't quantify defensively. How, how what's the challenge been like to keep buying in to playing both ends, even though a lot of the rewards and a lot of the acclaim is based upon what you do at the offensive end? Uh, yeah, but um, I, I agree with that. But you know, I feel like defense wins championships and win games. I mean, that sounds kind of old-fashioned, but I really believe that. And for me, I mean, my whole life, you know, I, I pretty much was. That, that's why I solidified myself as on the defensive end. My skills came later in life, so I take it personal on defense on the defensive end, and that's kind of what I live and breathe by. And I feel like my offense kind of is um, kind of spearheaded by my defense, almost like a, it's like a catapult defensively. When I'm when I'm when I'm great defensively, I know I'll be great offensively. So that's what I'm locked in on is stopping guys and making it tougher guys and stuff like that. So. Um, no, it's not easy, obviously, trying to play both ends at a high level, but in order to be great, you got to do that, and that's what I'm focused on doing. No question, and, and doing it day in, day out. That's interesting that your defense ends up propelling you on offense. I always thought like you were one of those guys that if you got a dunk early, all of a sudden now you'll start hitting every jump shot. I always felt like you're a guy who, when you get one of those ferocious dunks, now all of a sudden the basket becomes bigger. There's no sense of that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's I feel like that's any basketball player. Though. If you get a dunk, man, it it kind of catapults you and your teammates. So um, that's obviously one aspect of the game. But I think defensively, when I'm, I'm at my best defensively, then I'll be at my best offensively as well. All right, you got to help me out with this. Victor Oladipo joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. You got how, how did you lose to Dallas and Atlanta? Like, come on, man. Those, te- those teams are trying to lose games. Yet, I mean, uh-huh. you guys, have, yeah, you, can't, you can't go and beat Miami, the Clippers, you beat Boston on the road. You beat Philly on the road. You didn't even play well, and you beat you beat Philly on the road. And you lost. To, how are you going to lose to Dallas and to Atlanta, as crummy as those teams are? And they're trying to lose games. Yeah, I know. You know, it's, I guess it's just them nights, one of them nights in the NBA. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they're still NBA players, and they might be trying to lose, but the organization might be trying to lose, but they not. And you know, some it's like over the course of 82 games, you're not going to be perfect, and Unfortunately, you're going to lose the teams you should beat, or you might be some teams that you shouldn't, uh, according to the to X's and O's, you should lose to. But unfortunately, we dropped those two. But we did a great job bouncing back that later in that week. So, in terms of the challenges of like, if you have a you have a night off while you're there, um, and kind of realize it's a business trip no matter where you're at. Um, is it fair to say the trade ends up being the best thing that happened to you? Um. Yeah, I mean it's probably too easy. It's too early to say right now. Like I told somebody before, I'd never be comfortable in a situation I'm in after getting traded twice a year. So that's a good thing. It makes me continue to keep working hard and strive for more, strive for greatness. And at the end of the day, you know, 
later down the road, maybe I could say that. But you know, right now I'm just focused on chasing number one, whoever number one is. That's what I'm focused on chasing and trying to be the best big dog people I can be. Hey, Vic, listen, obviously you've had an incredible year, and I know it's it's a snapshot of, uh, of, of I think, things to come in the future, but it also speaks incredibly well for how hard you've worked to get here and to take that next step. We wish you nothing but success the rest of the regular season into the playoffs, and thanks for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, that's uh, Victor Oladipo, breakout star year for the Indiana Pacers. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. A guy who everyone comes up to for advice or to take pictures with or shake hands with because he won a national championship here in 04. One of three national championships he won as uh, head coach at UConn. He's a Hall of Famer. He's Jim Calhoun. Of course, he's back coaching. Next year, he'll be leading St. Joe's College, who my wife has a bachelor's degree from in nursing in West Hartford, Connecticut. Jim Calhoun joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, first and foremost, most importantly, how's your health? Great. You know, I'm still here and still wanting to do things and still go you know, 24-7 and go fast and go hard, and that's kind of who I am. Well, I also know you're here with Coaches versus Cancer. It's something that's very important to you. You have your huge golf tournament um, in, in Connecticut, but it's, you're a cancer survivor, what, two, time, two times over, right? Three times over? So, so I like, look, cancer can't beat you. The Blue Devils can't beat you. <laughs> what, what can possibly beat, beat you? So um, let's, let's start with where you are professionally. Why, why stay around in it? Why get back in it with St. Joe's College? Just like you. I miss the game. I miss the kids. I miss getting on the bus. And it's a lousy day, say, in New England. Slow, sleek, coming down a little bit. Lousy. You go up to Providence and haven't been playing that well, and you win a good game. When you get on that bus, all of us, all the players, 12, 13 of them, coaches, trainer, everybody. There's that feeling that you and I can't match in the rest of our lives. So I love my family. I love my God. But this is a different thing. Professionally, there is nothing anywhere that can place that. And, you know, I talked to Kimball Walker this morning. He just became the uh, all-time leader and scorer at the Hornets. Yeah. That association, Mech, great stories out of the G League. Now he's at New Orleans. All those stories about my kids. Um, I, I, you know, I, I found nothing in my life that, that can do that particular thing, which I love so much. Okay, but but this is, it's going to be harder because you're not going to have the resources you had. And granted, look, when you got to UConn, you didn't have those resources, I know. And when you were Northeastern, you didn't have those resources, I understand. But it's a whole different, like, you know, you're actually coaching Sisters of the Poor. Like, <laughs> are you are you are are you okay with that? Well, you know, because I mean, you're a competitive as hell guy. You know, I mean, I, I I tell every kid, you know, I'm not here to lose. And very simply, winning's a it's not nebulous because they, they keep scoring in life. And very simply, uh, you know, I'm a guy that, that that truly believes that we can do something there. I think this, the, the university with the Sisters of Mercies of you know, we're going to be just fine. The biggest thing I'm finding, every kid wants to play Division One, and they think they are. Yep. And I have pitches in my office, and they got, you know, raised feet well above the rim. They got a mecca dunk, and I said, when you can do that, you can play in Division One." <laughs> but I, I, I think the point I'm making is that the thing you find, you find the Dud Gottliebs, and you find all those guys out there. I'm not saying Division Three play. I don't mean that. What I mean is players. And, and you know how special the game is to me. I've given the story a thousand times. I was a good high school player and got a full scholarship for UMass. I'm the Jack Lehman, the great coach. And 
My mom had polio. My dad had died at 15. Family of seven. Came back, worked as a stonecutter for two years. And the only reason I got back to college was I had a full scholarship. Graduated, drafted by the Celtics. Russell cut me. Shouldn't have kept Havlicek or something, some guy. But my point being is uh, then back to grad school. And started coaching, and that's been it. So I owe the game. The game was great to me, my family. And uh, simply, I love the game. There's no question when I hear you talk, whether I agree or disagree with you, your love for the game, you can't hide. You try to, but you can't. No, I, I, I really do. And um, I, I also, I loved, I, I loved how you used to coach your teams. And, and here's, here's my perception of it, because I, I thought what you would do was exactly what my coach Eddie Sutton would do, which is you would, you would kind of tell the media off the record, like, oh, we're terrible this year. They don't listen. They don't play hard. And then the media would start writing things and saying things about how this is the bad bunch and they don't. And then you would tell your guys like, are you, can you believe what, what these guys are saying about you? <laughs> and it would turning, and you would consistently turn your team into us against the world. And it was really fascinating to see how, how your teams would compete and the, the Kemba shot. Take me back to the, the philosophy in coaching in do you coach every guy, break them down, build them back up? Do you try and find individual pieces? How do you assess how you coach each player? Well, you have to. You know, it's like anything else. I mean, some coaches worry about where your hands are. I say, make sure you stop them. You know, I don't really care about that. And, and you know, Ray Allen was one of the few guys who took from square one because he was not a shooter when he came, right. great athlete, uh, to get him shooting. I was just reading his book. Uh, Ray just put a book on yeah. very, very fascinating how he perceives his time at UConn. And very simply, I used to say to him, he gives us comment, leaving practice freshman, and I turned to him, he's going to movies with the guys, and I said, where are you going? He says, going back, he said, well, did you shoot 100% today in practice? Kind of looks at me like I'm crazy, which is probably true. And I said, just ask him. I thought you said you wanted to be great, and I left. Because I snuck around the corner. He shot for about a half an hour that day. Reggie, uh, excuse me, Ray Allen never left practice without shooting for half an hour. And Doc Rivers, and I'll tell you, hour and a half wearing two ball boys up before every NBA practice. That day, something as nebulous as you'd think, right. were you 100% today? Why are you leaving? And I think that's true. So I, each guy was different. Ray, Ray, you couldn't, I never tried to publicly embarrass Ray, some of the other guys I did. I think there's so many different ways. The whole thing was, I always felt there was a sense of honesty about what I was doing. I look in the dictionary now, and the word no is gone. I actually, when I said no, you aren't going to do that, I actually meant it. And it was going to reinforce it. Yeah, no, and, and you would, I mean, you would hook guys. Oh, I, I remembered calling games or going to UConn games. You'd be like, all right, who's going to get hooked before the first early, TV early. timeout? Yeah. Very, very yeah. Out he would come. And Eddie Sutton would, he, he, we wouldn't talk about his hands. I remember in practice, my first practice, like, coach, are we, we forcing a guy to the baseline? We forcing a guy to the middle? It's like, you guard your man. He doesn't go yeah, by I you. Love it. Exactly. Right? Um, Something I've seen from Bill Self, which reminds me of you, is you guys went through a long time. Your better teams didn't get to the Final Four, right? You had great teams that didn't get there. And then some of your teams that weren't as good did get to a Final Four and won a national championship. So how, do, how should we as fans, or how should fans or other coaches, how should they look at, at your teams that weren't successful in their final game, but really were better than maybe teams that got to a Final Four? Well, we had to build some... Uh Honestly, some culture, and I mean that honestly. I learned as a coach that their legs are important and their minds are important. And so I, did, I love to keep practice every day of winning the day. So maybe practice, we're going to win the two hours. But I found out near the end of the season, hour and 20, you can win the day the same way, same thing, just a short duration. 
uh, even verbally, to stop the mental stuff. Two hours in, in February, not needed. And my point is, I started to pay better for the uh, championships. I got some other kind of kids. You know, people talk about McDonald's All-Americans. We had seven in 26 years. So we were, and you know, if you look at the records, we, we did okay with those guys. Yeah. And uh, my point being is that, because I, I love to get guys who would listen. You know, let me coach you. If you came here because you want to play in the league, well, let me coach you to get there. And I very simply think that the most singly important thing you do, and, and when I get reflection from a Ray Allen, it, it becomes an endorsement in many ways. He said he was the most honest person I ever met in my life. And, you know, I said, you're really lousy today. I love you to death, but you're really lousy. And, and you can't be lousy. You're too good to be lousy. Um, the 96 team was, that was the best team I've ever played against. And we played 96 Syracuse, went to the national championship game. Your, for people who forget, that was Ray's last team, right? Was Ray, you had Deron Sheffer at point guard. Uh, you had uh, uh, Kirk King inside who, he went like three or four games without missing a shot because all you had him, all he did was re rebound dunk. You had Travis, you had four. What was your three man's name? A really, really dark, uh, dark skin, like, oh man, 96. 96. Yes. It wasn't Torino, it wasn't Rudy. Yes, it was Rudy. Rudy. Oh. Rudy was Rudy was your small forward. He was very really talented. Very talented. And then you know, then you had young guys coming in off yep. off off the bench. Um, was that your best team ever, or were the best team two or four? Second guy in the draft, Ogafor. Third guy in the draft, Gordon, Hilton Armstrong, Josh Boone. I mean, uh, now that oh, you almost didn't win that game because Emeka got in foul trouble. We almost didn't win that game. Both of us didn't win that game because it was maybe the worst officiated first half in the history of mankind. The only difference was Mike kept playing his kids, and I have a rule. Mecca kept on. Uh, true story. I know, but why? Why? Why you have a rule? But like Emeka Okafor is one of the brightest kids you've ever coached. Who, who won the game? You did win the game. And why did they lose the game? Because they didn't have big guys down the stretch. Mecca only got one foul in the second half. And I, I, it, I, I kept saying to him, if we get down six, Mech, you're going back in. And then it was, if we're down eight, we got down nine the most. <laughs> I lied to him the whole first time. But he was ready, and I had great confidence in those kids. I really did. I, I, I thought, I honestly thought, if we hadn't won the championship in 204, I would have been incredibly disappointed in how I did things because, quite frankly, that was my most talented team. I mean, we had the answers. People don't realize how good Gordon was. I mean, Ben Gordon averaged 17 points a game as a 6-1 two-guard right. in the NBA. Mecca for a game-changer. I mean, Armstrong, filling the waiver was playing 10 minutes. He's a 12-time pro. I'm a 12-year pro. My point is, is that that team had almost everything. Salik Brown was one of the best defensive guards and playmakers I ever had. So, 06, we didn't have the other guard. We didn't have anybody to back up Marcus. I want to ask you about 06, because 06 you lost to George Mason, right, in, in D.C. Yes. So you've been on the other side of Cinderella. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's, what, what, what is that like, to be on the other side of Cinder, Cinderella? Well, I'll give you a good example. Six minutes to go, you're up seven. You're good. You're in the time of saying, we've got to get separation. We've got to get separation. Go down to the other huddle, we got them just where we want them. They're, they're oozing with confidence. I can still remember saying during that game, we're 20 miles from George Mason, the place is filled up. Right. Gonzaga, same way in Phoenix. And I still remember that we let them breathe. They thought they could. I wanted somewhere along the line to say, no, we just don't have it with them today. And they didn't, they beat us in overtime. Mm. Jim Calhoun joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, so what is, what is your reaction to what happened up in stores? Kevin took over for you. 
He won a national championship. Uh, the program appeared to be in really solid footing. It had, you know, you keep all of, I mean, one of the things is when you keep it in the family, the family always feels like they can come back and play pickup ball with the guys, yep. come to a game and feel like they're welcome. Uh, what's your reaction to them firing Kevin this year? Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't fire Kevin, nor did I ever recommend firing Kevin. I did help Kevin get the job as a coach should for his player. Uh, and the first two years he did wonderfully. And, you know, he went through a difficult time with his divorce. And to be honest with you, in life things happen. It's a job and it's a business. And things didn't go well the last couple of years. And there was some separation, I think, between the family and maybe Kevin a little bit. Kevin's a good man. He's going to bounce back. And I'm UConn, so I'm going to be happy that UConn's going forward. I think Danny Hurley would do a great job. But, you know, you can't repair. And the whole thing about coaching, you got to be good today. And Kevin's success in the first couple of years didn't equate itself down the line, and, and, and he's going on. He'll be fine. How difficult will it be for UConn to get back to being UConn, not being in the Big East? Big. <laughs> I'd like to, you know, uh, sugarcoat, but no. There, and there is talks, and I'm not involved in talks per right. se, although I asked his advisor, um, to go back to the Big East which I think would be incredible for us. I think the idea of getting Villanova and some of the other people that, you know, you've got to be... You mean to tell me that East Carolina doesn't make people want to drive to stores? Nothing against East Carolina, personally. <laughs> but, you know, when they hate the opposition, like Notre Dame and some of the other folks, it's a lot easier. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword because when you first got it going in the Big East... People forget, like, UConn was a cellar dweller in the Big East, right? I mean, and it was, it was not a particularly well-regarded university. I mean, this is a, here's a true story, okay? So my mom grew up in Bridgeport. And um, but this is two years before uh, one of your assistants called and put you on the phone to recruit me. We drove up through stores, and she's like, I can't ever see you going to school here, no matter how good they get. She went to Syracuse. She okay, yep, thumbed yep. her nose at, at, at the idea of stores. Now it's one of the best universities, public universities in the country, and your success and Gino's success is a huge reason why they built on the back of. But it's, it, it's I, I think the outsider would say, well, hey, you won in the Big East and got to go in the Big East when the Big East was awesome. So shouldn't it be easier to win in the American when there's only two or three good teams in the American? Why isn't it that way? Well, it just didn't work out that way. I mean, it's one of the reasons we made a coaching change, I guess. I mean, quite frankly, I, I don't run those things and so on. And I love Kevin Aldi. I, mean, I do love Kevin Aldi. He's a good man. But I, I very simply think that, that you know, I use the analogy. I mean, Gonzaga's done all right out of their, its league. They're looking to change it. And, and, and for us, it, it, it's seats in the seats. We used to have 12,000 season ticket holders. This year, we had five. I mean, 7,000 per game is a lot in downtown. And all those kind of things come into play. I don't think people in the seats are going to win games. I think getting good players and putting discipline back and, and for these kids. And, you know, once again, I wish Danny the best of luck. I'll help him any way he can. He brought one of my former assistants, Tom Moore, back. Yeah, which Tom's, will help. Tom's a great guy. Tom's a wonderful guy and he'll help the family. The family's important in UConn. Still is. As I said, I talked to Kimber today. And, I mean, all my guys and our guys and Kevin's guys. So I truly believe we're in the right direction. And I do You know, everything in life's a fight. I'm a three-time cancer survivor. Everything in life's a fight. All right, uh, last thing, um, you've, you've watched Jay uh, and what he's been able to do. I, I mean, is it crazy to say he's really improved as a coach? Like, they've, when, when he was at Hofstra, we played against him in the tournament. They were good, and they got after you, but they didn't play this style of basketball. Now, 
Obviously, they shoot a ton of threes, but defensively, they're really, really good. And he went through a stretch there in the Big East, last couple years in the old Big East, where they couldn't win because they weren't really guarding people. What's, what's your sense of, of Jay? He's been there 17 years now. It doesn't seem possible. I'm a big fan. You know, yeah. I've been down to his practices. He asked me to come, and I've watched his teams. I think the biggest thing is, like all of us, we adjust and we grow. I just gave you a story that we don't always talk about publicly. I changed as a coach for preseason. I mean, preseason is one thing. In terms of your length of practice, especially. Yeah, I mean, my, and psychologically, too. And I, it, it was done by design. Jay is a great X and O man. People don't realize that. I said, Really dis- good. Yeah, dis- despite the George Clooney uh, BS, I said, you know, but he's, a, he's one was of it, us. Was, but was he always that way? No, probably not to some degree, but none of us are. When I first came, my whole job was get at him. Yeah. Just give me how. I don't know how, but get at him. <laughs> and as you get there, then the press, I went out to see Coach Wooden, spent uh, three hours with him one time. And you ran the 2-2-1. Two, two, and 2-2-1, two, two, I used it for 20 years. My point being is that we all grow in this game. The fools don't grow. I have more questions today than I did 30 years ago because you grow. And Jay, Jay Wright's a smart guy. He's good. I'll tell you what he's really good at. I watch him handle players. He's really good at that. Yeah. You know, he can get the most out of them, yet they feel comfortable with them, and that's a really important thing. Well, listen, I wish you nothing but success at St. Joe's. I'm sure walking around San Antonio brings thoughts of 04. The semifinals was amazing, and then, of course, the dominant performance over a talented Georgia Tech team, but it was, yeah. it was not a particularly good game. <laughs> I'm sure the TV folks didn't like it that much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. 
Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.